The Sports Dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Sports Dance. I am your host, Greg. And first off, let me just say, whether it was yesterday, today, whatever day it was that you're listening to this, hopefully you had a happy Thanksgiving. We're going to have a little bit of Thanksgiving talk in here. Just a little, if Thanksgiving food were players in the NFL, what positions would they be? Because, well, when it's a holiday week and you don't have tons to talk about, that's what you do. You just throw out things like that. I found it entertaining trying to figure out what quarterbacks are, what running backs are, what the defensive line is. Hopefully you enjoy it too. It's not going to be a super long episode. I'm probably just going to go through the NFL, my must-watch, lock it ins, upset watches, a little bit of NBA, a little bit of NCAA upset in basketball, and that's about it. So it'll probably be a little bit shorter episode than normal. Nose Pauls pile on this week. You know, with the holidays, I'm not going to drag him into this. I'm just doing this for you. I'm doing it for the people, because that's what I am, a man of the people. So let's get into it. We're going to start off with just in general, NCAA basketball. Before we get into any Thanksgiving type talk, let's just get into that. Mainly one thing and one thing only. Duke men's basketball, the number one ranked team in college, fell hard. Not just like hard, major Major upset by underdog Stephen F. Austin, who was a 27 and a half point underdog because they were going into Duke. And you know what they did? In overtime, they pulled it out. And I'm not just saying like they pulled it like literally with five seconds left in the game in overtime. It was 83-83. They got a steal and dunked it to cap off. The upset. I mean, there's no better way to, I think, do an upset than dunking at the buzzer in overtime against the number one team in the country's home court fans' faces. Does it make it better that it was Duke? You bet your ass it made it better that it was Duke because, come on, let's all be honest, most of us want to see Duke lose. The surprising thing is, this wasn't in the NCAA tournament. Like, huh? Duke. You getting a head start on, you know, your major upsets this year? Looks like it. Now, this also surprisingly comes a few weeks later after Evansville beat Kentucky, who was also another 20-plus point underdog against, at the time, Kentucky, I believe, was ranked number one as well. So we've had two number one teams this year go down to unranked 20-plus point underdogs. I you just you can't make it any better than that. Kenya, I mean, honestly, that's awesome when teams like this, when small schools, I mean, we've heard of Stephen F. Austin's, you know, runs in tournaments. We've seen them. We know the name, but we also know they are not a major player in the college basketball world. So going in to Duke and winning, taking care of business against Coach K, against a stacked recruiting, recruiting class. You got to give them props, and you got to just say, hey, good job. Well done. Thanks for beating Duke. That was college basketball talk. That Again, like I said, not tons with that. 
Not tons going on in the sports world leading up to this holiday. I mean, we can talk. We could dive into things, but I'm not going to lie. I'm in holiday mode. Don't really want to do it. Because why? Well, I won't give you the time and effort it deserves. Other things going on around the league, though. NBA, Anthony Davis is making his return to New Orleans, and LeBron James has apparently been coaching him. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, game already happened. Don't know who won. Because I'm doing this on a Wednesday. And you might be listening to this on a Friday. And the game was on a Thursday. So there's a lot of different directions this could be going. But LeBron's coaching him. I mean, we all know LeBron when he went back to Cleveland for the first time after going to Miami. What that was like. It shouldn't be as bad for Anthony Davis, but it's not going to be good. I bet there are going to be a lot of boos raining down on him. There'll definitely be cheers. He did a lot for that city. He did a lot for that team. They just didn't do a lot back for him to help him get to that next level. I mean, to think about the success he's having in L.A., it's miles ahead of what he was experiencing in New Orleans. New Orleans is a great party town. It's a great football town. Not a great basketball town. Like, I'll be interested to see how Zion does and just exactly how happy he is in New Orleans. They got a good young squad, so they could make some noise this year. But time will tell. So you have that with the NBA. You have Paul George, you know, saying the Clippers offense is finally getting into the swing of things now that he's back. But he said one thing, and it is ringing true. That defense is scary. Him, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Beverly, who is getting some flack lately with his defense, and Russell Westbrook and him have been, you know, chirping at each other. But he's another good defender. Like, they have a good defensive squad that, when they're fully healthy, is going to be hard to score on. Like, expect to get 80 points against that squad because they're long, they're quick. It's a lot of just small forwards across that lineup. So it's a pretty good team. And he, I mean, like you said, defense is just scary. It could be LA all around Western Conference Finals, which would be great, but at the same time, slightly boring. But again, it would be great. You'd still have so many superstars. But travel-wise, then you would be like, hey, do they really need the day or two off in between? No. They're literally playing in the same arena. But that, that'll that'll come at some other point. The NBA's not this year, but already thinking about the next few years, changing up the regular season schedule, how the playoffs work. Once they have a little more legitimized way of what they're going to go about, we can get into that too. But like I said, until until that's out, we're just going to gonna leave it be because NBA takes Thanksgiving off, so there's no games for Thanksgiving, or there was no games on Thanksgiving. So, we're done with that. Before we go any further, I'm going to remind you that this is sponsored by Seat Giant. When you use Seat Giant, you're going to get the best sports tickets, concert tickets, deals you can possibly get. And when you go there, make sure you use the discount promo code 12 Sports. That's 1200 Sports. You're going to get an even better deal. So, go out to Seat Giant, get tickets for you and your family to go to a sporting event, go to a concert. And have a great day. But make sure you, when you do, again, you use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. And go to Seat Giant because that's the best place you're going to get all your ticket needs. So, 
Now that we got that out of the way, time to move on to some NFL football. Now, I can't talk about Thanksgiving Day because the games have already happened or are happening still. Um, this came out, I'm putting this out on Thursday. You might be listening on 12 on Sports on Friday. No idea. But I just got to be clear because like might be like, hey, it's weird that he's not talking about the Thursday games. Well, it's because they haven't happened yet. What I do have for you are my must-watches, my upsets, my lock-it-ins. But before we do any of that, before we get to that, can we just take a second to appreciate how dominant Lamar Jackson has been this year in the NFL? 45-6 routing of the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football on a national stage. I mean, we get it. He beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football, though. Another stage, an even bigger decimation of a team that made it to the Super Bowl last year. Now, granted, they look nothing like that team that made it there last year, but still, the Rams are considered a very good team. And Lamar Jackson made it look like he was playing Madden on rookie mode. Which does make sense because now he is the fastest quarterback to ever be in the game. That is right, he passed Michael Vick. In Madden's fastest QB of all time. He'll achieve a 96 speed rating. So essentially he's a cheat code in the game and on real life in the field. The man is just amazing. He's clear cut MVP right now. The Ravens are rolling through the NFL. And it's not even fair. They were 6 for 6 on their first 6 drives with touchdowns. The only downside of that game is they do lose their center to a knee injury for the rest of the year. It's Skura, they thought he was going to be fine. Thought it was a sprain. It's much worse than that. So we'll see if that affects how this offense flows at all. But I highly doubt it. This team, I don't think, was going to miss a beat. The only way they do is if Lamar goes down. I mean, you really can plug and play a lot of guys into their type of offense as long as he's there. He's just fantastic. I mean, he's just... He is on a different level than everybody else right now in the league. And you can go back to how teams didn't want him to be quarterback, wanted him to be a wide receiver, wanted him to be a running back. His mom stood by his side and said, nope, he's going to be a quarterback. And he is. I mean, the Ravens saw it. Harbaugh saw it. Harbaugh knew if we they drafted him, they were going to have to change their whole offense to fit him. They've done it. They did this with Joe Flacco still on the team. And they changed it, and it has worked really well, and now he looks like a genius. And Lamar Jackson looks like a god on the field. I mean, he's just that good. If you have him in fantasy football like I do, you are having a great year, at least for quarterback-wise. The rest of my team stinks. Quarterback's doing really well. Besides that, though, the other big thing from this past weekend, and I have to talk about it, Why? Because I just love the fact that the Cowboys lost. Granted, slightly disappointed, it was to the Patriots. If I had my choice, somehow they would have ended up in a tie that counts as a loss. But they couldn't. So I was a Patriots fan this weekend. They beat the Cowboys. Thank you. And Jerry Jones went off. Now when Jerry Jones goes off, your whole coaching staff thinks they're going to get fired. Which could put this team in some sort of downward spiral. Fingers crossed. But the most surprising thing about it is, so Jerry Jones came out, he criticized the coaching staff. Get it? Jason Garrett was 
as dumb as they come with most of his play calling. We'll just put it nicely. Should have gone for it on fourth and seven near the goal line. He should have ran the ball on third and one. I get it, the tripping ghost call was a thing, but that offense was doing nothing. It's not like they were close and that set them back. They were like on their own 20 when it happened. There was plenty of calls Jason Garrett made. The blocked punt was mentioned, but Jerry Jones went scorched earth, criticized his coaching staff, and surprisingly but unsurprisingly, Jason Witten came out in full support of his GM, not his coach, not the guy that's coming up with the plays for the following week, the schemes, putting you in, putting you out, not him. He's going with the owner. Kind of shows you maybe how that locker room feels about Jason Garrett. The fact that one of their biggest voices and biggest leaders is like, yeah, no, Jerry Jones is right. Our coaching staff is st- is terrible. It stinks. The game, it was not good. He has every right to say what he did. Now, get it if you're a player and you think that, but maybe don't say it to the media. Maybe don't basically say, yeah, I thought our coach was an idiot too. It's not a good look. I get you're supporting your owner. You'd be better off saying nothing. I'm so glad you said something, though. Like, very glad. Because it makes everything up here way worse. And that locker room is going to have tons of questions for it for the next week or two until maybe they prove they're legitimate enough to maybe make a run in the playoffs. Because right now, they're not. Right now, they've shown they can't beat teams with winning records. I mean, granted, the Eagles, who are second in the division, don't look good at all. Carson Wentz could be hurt, may not be hurt, playing not well at all, missing easy throws. But at the same time, he's playing with a broomstick and a ham sandwich for his wide receivers. Oh, and Greg Ward Jr., who actually wasn't bad. What's Dak and the Cowboys' offense as excuse? They have their playmakers. They have their offensive line. To put it in perspective, on Sunday, not that, you know, it's any excuse, bad weather in Philly, in New England, Dak had all his weapons, put up nine points against the number one defense. Carson Wentz against the Seattle team, who was very good, played with Zach Ertz, he was missing his right tackle and right guard, he was missing his one, two, and three number receivers. And was playing with four guys at wideout who had had a combined 14 catches on the year. Greg Ward made his first career catches. He was on the practice squad on Friday. He still managed 10 points. He still managed to be terrible. He turned the ball over a lot. But, like, he had his team in the game. Dak had his team in the game. But at least... When you look at the coaching staff, Doug Peterson tried to do everything he could to help the team. Jason Garrett did everything he could to prevent that. He had his weapons. He he could do anything he wanted to. Yet he chose not to make the right decisions. He chose not to run it with the highest paid running back in the league. Just makes no sense. But Jason Witten agrees with the owner. Also to me, it makes no sense. I know this was a really confusing ramble. But point of it all. Watch the Cowboys locker room. Watch the demeanor of the players and what they say about maybe the coaches and Jason Garrett over the next few weeks. Because I can bet you if there's another loss or two and they go 8-8, eight and eight, 
Jason Garrett's going to be looking for a new job. I don't know who's going to take over that Cowboys job and who's going to want to deal with Jerry. But it's not going to be Jason Garrett. That's where my money is right now. That's that's all in the past now. Let's look towards the future. Let's look at its time, I think, for the ultimate Thanksgiving lineup. Hit the turkey. So it is Thanksgiving. It's the time to stuff your face, watch some football. And when you're doing it, you start thinking to yourself, man, if football players were food at Thanksgiving, what would they be? Right? No? Is that is that is that just something I do? Well, it's a good thing because that's what we're going to talk about right now. Because think about it. Thanksgiving means two things, food and sports. And I know it's a holiday celebrated with loved ones where you go around saying what you're thankful for over the past year. But it's mainly about the food and sports. Come on. I mean, you can can you remember the last time you went an entire Thanksgiving without turning on the TV and checking out the score of the Lions or Cowboys game because you know they're always going to be playing? I mean, I can't. So let's see just how these star players and positions line up on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to start off with the most important position, the quarterback. And we all know what food the quarterback is. That's right. The Yeah, no, it's the turkey. I was going to try to come up with something clever. It's the turkey. He's the star on the field and the dinner table. They go hand in hand. Everyone's looking at this spot to be the key to everything. If quarterback play is bad, if your turkey is not cooked well, it's a disaster. Usually, though, as long as you have a really good supporting cast, you'll be able to handle and get through the game and get through the meal with everything being just right, especially if it's a fried turkey. Those things are just delicious and dangerous to cook, but delicious. All right, so we move on next to the backfield. We have the running back, who in my mind is the stuffing. And why is that? I mean, he's the guy that gets it done in the trenches and isn't afraid to make his way through the small holes that open up for him. The running back and stuffing are willing to do the dirty work and do whatever it takes to help make the quarterback slash turkey look good. Getting to mix it up in the trenches and dive over the pile of players or food is just a bonus. I mean, think about it. Stuffing, it's got all the nooks and crannies. Running backs have to be able to get through those nooks and crannies. they got to be able to be willing to get in there with the quarterback and help him out. It's exactly what they do. Next, we have the wide receivers. And if you don't know what the wide receiver is, come on. They're the green beans. And you might be wondering why. But in my mind, it's a very simple explanation. It's a spot that, you know, you got to be skinny and tall. Not the sturdy spot that other positions on the field table can be. They can also kind of be divas. And I know you're thinking like green beans, really? You're saying green beans are divas? Yeah. With how they're prepared for the, you know, game and the meal, both the player and the green bean have to be treated with delicacy because... They could get really angry and then just, you know, everything goes out the window. You know, sometimes you got to give them an ice bath before they can even start to be dealt with. But if everything goes right, they can come through in a very big way. Especially if you add a little bit of like minced garlic, some breadcrumbs. I mean, you can make them really fancy if you want to. Then we have our tight end, who is the dinner rolls. It's the spot that can always be a pleasant surprise for everyone. You never know. You might get the store dinner roll. They're not going to come through. You could get that guy tight end in like the 11th best guy and he could have three touchdowns in one game 
You just don't know. You never know. You could get a really good dinner roll and it comes out of nowhere. It could be the gronk of dinner rolls. That's what you're hoping for. Even if it's sometimes the Darren Waller or the Austin Hooper of dinner rolls, you're good. If it happens to be like, I can't even think of a bad tight end. If it happens to be the Hunter Henry of tight ends, who can be good at times, but a lot of times gets burnt and injured. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird explanation for it. But whatever. It could still just, I mean, it's also good to just help sop up all that extra stuff. You can put make a little sandwich with the quarterback and the running back. It's delicious. And by that I mean the turkey and the stuffing. Come on. Remember what I said, people. Remember what I said. Then you have the defense and the offensive line. Defense mainly, though, is the mashed potatoes and gravy. It's the spot that holds everything together on the field and the dinner table. Without a solid solid defense and mashed potatoes and gravy, the game and meal are practically ruined. Because honestly, I'm a mashed potato and gravy guy. I think it's the best side dish. It needs to have consistency and not be afraid to get a few lumps along the way. A good defense will pick up its quarterback when he's struggling, and a good mashed potatoes with gravy will do the same thing with the turkey and the rest of the food. Plus, you know... Any little bits and pieces you have of anything, veggies, turkey, whatever, it'll get. It's my personal favorite. I mean, it's plain and simple. Defense wins games, am I right? All right, last but not least, we're going with kickers. Who are the cranberry sauce? It's a spot that a lot of people tend to forget about until it's like the day of. comes out of a can. It's a position and side dish are always something everyone needs, though. They put up. A lot of it on a lot of different things. And if you think about it, a kicker is called on a total of five to seven times on average per game between point after attempts, field goals, or kickoffs. Cranberry sauce is usually the last thing you put on your plate. But when making leftover sandwiches, it is a key ingredient. Without either one of them, the team could fall apart. I mean, we've just seen how many kickers have been crucial to their teams winning or losing over these past few years. So those are my stances on Thanksgiving foods. As positions in the NFL. Let me know what you think. Let me know if there's anything you think I missed. Don't even get me started on green bean casserole. That is nothing. Except gross green bean mushroom soup. That's cooked weird. That's what it is. In my mind. But again, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. A happy Thanksgiving. The turkey's going to take us out. And we're going to get through my must-watch lock-it-up and upset watches. And then we're probably going to wrap it all up in a nice little bow for everybody. All right? So let me hear the turkey. Was that a little bit weird? Yeah. Do I care? No. But now let's get into the main part of usually every show every week. My must-watch, my upset watch, and my lock-it-ins. Now this week, it's Thanksgiving, so I'm going to, you know, a nice giving, going to give you a big plate of must-watch games for this weekend. And it's pretty easy. There are three games this weekend you should be watching. For any purposes of, they should just be fantastic. And, for the most part, they're the AFC side of things, which is shocking since the AFC has kind of been up and down this year. The first game I'm going to give you is the Patriots versus Texans. It's Sunday Night Football. That should be a good game. Patriots travel to Houston. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins going against that vaunted number one defense. 
Can Stephen Gilmore shut him down and prove he is still legitimately the number one corner in the game? Will that defense hold up against another mobile quarterback in Deshaun Watson? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good game. I think it'll be close. Patriots offense will actually have to do something, I think, this game to keep up. I think the Texans at least put up a 20 spot. Can the Patriots do the same? That's going to be the big question going into it. If they don't, if the offense struggles again, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about Tom Brady and his father time finally catching up to him. It's been getting slightly louder and louder every single week. This could be the week that it gets full-blown if the Patriots offense looks to struggle again. And it might be the worst thing we all do because when that happens, Tom Brady tends to flip a switch. So maybe let's think about this, people, before we say anything. Next game up, Chiefs versus Raiders. Why is this a must-watch? I'll tell you why. Thanks for asking. The Chiefs have a one-game lead in the AFC West over the Raiders. The Raiders win this. Chiefs may potentially miss the playoffs if they both win out or just to general how the rest of the season goes. So this is a huge game for the Chiefs to put a mark and say, we control the AFC West. It goes through us. We have to play up to our level of expectations because they haven't. The defense needs to play better. The Raiders just came off an embarrassing loss to the Jets. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. So this is definitely a must-watch game just for the sheer fact of Chiefs Chiefs are on the ropes right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Then finally, you have San Francisco, Baltimore. Do I have to say more? San Francisco defense versus Lamar Jackson. What's going to happen? You have a 9-1 a team versus an 8-2 team or 10-1 team. I forget what the records are. It's two very good teams, <laughs> plain and simple. It's going to be interesting to see how that game goes down. It should be very good. That's all I got to say about that. You know, I praise Lamar Jackson already. 49ers defense is what makes that team go. Jimmy G has done great with the offense, but that defense is flat out dominant right now. I look at that defense and I actually think it's better than the Patriots defense. So we'll see. Can they stop Lamar? Can they figure it out? Time will tell. So those are my three must-watches. New England, Texans, San Francisco, Baltimore, Chiefs, Raiders. Should all be fantastic games. My upset watch this week, I have the Cardinals upsetting the Rams. Rams are 6-5. and five. The Cardinals are like 3-6-1 and one or something. I don't know. Weird, bad record. But they play pretty decent against their in-conference games or in-conference in-division games. I think Kyler Murray is getting more and more comfortable in that Arizona offense. And the Rams have just not looked that good. So therefore, I think they get upset this week. Then finally, my lock-it-ins for the week. I have two. Give you another extra scoop, extra serving on the side on this very, you know, thankful Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Anyway. I have the Titans beating the Colts, who are right now two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I have the Titans beating them just in general. Titans have looked good. Ryan Tannehill has played really well. That quarterback switch has not had, could, ugh, could not have gone better for Mike Rabel. 
and that offense. He's looking really good. Derrick Henry is starting to get on a roll. And when that happens, it's very hard to stop him. And the Colts, I mean, the Colts are good, but they've got some injuries. T.Y. Hilton is not 100%. So I think the Titans are going to, you know, go in, take care of business, and come out with a W. And then I also have for you, Green Bay is favored 6.5 over the Giants. Take it. Just go, please. Take that now. Aaron Rodgers is coming off a terrible performance against the 49ers. He needs a game to get out some steam, get things back on track, get things rolling again. This is that game against a Giants secondary who is not very good. So, if any, if they lose by less than 10, if they win by less than 10, I'd be shocked. So I'm going Green Bay, even though it's in New York. Give me Green Bay, six and a half. Easy. So those are my locks. So my upsets are Cardinals over the Rams. Then I have Titans over the Colts and Green Bay by six and a half over the Giants. Put it in the books. That's all I got, though. That is this week's episode. I told you it was going to be shorter. It's around a half hour. But that's what you get. It's a holiday. You know, I'm going to go enjoy family time. Hopefully you do too. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Check us out on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. Make sure you follow 12 on Sports Radio. Other great shows that are on there. Again, hopefully you had a happy holidays. Hopefully you got some good deals. Black Friday. And, you know, we're going into the holiday Christmas season. So let's get ready. Because I'm pretty sure Paul is going to get some Christmas type stuff going over the next few weeks for Paul's Pylon. That's it. That's all I got for you this week. Once again, my name is Greg. These are my stance on sports. Hope you had a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everybody out there. See you next week. The Sports Dance.